Reader reviews on Amazon and Goodreads are the key to online sales of your book, but enough bad reviews can tank your book's success, especially if the negative reviews come early in your launch. If your first few reviews are negative, they set a bad tone for all of the reviews to come. In this episode, we're going to talk about the different places negative reviews come from, how to get fewer negative reviews in the future. So if you're still writing your first book, this is an episode you don't want to miss. And finally, we're going to talk about how you can get some negative reviews to go away completely. There's a magic process I will share. I'm Thomas Umstead, the CEO of Author Media, and this is Novel Marketing, the longest-running book marketing podcast in the world. This is the show for writers who want to build their platform, sell more books, and change the world with writing worth talking about. So let's jump right in and talk about the number one source of negative book reviews, and that is politics. I try not to talk about politics on this show, and when I do, I do it with fear and trembling. But in this case, I'm not really talking about political politics, although that does apply. But really, this is about all kinds of politics. If your book is about how amazing Ford is, don't be surprised if Chevy fans leave you negative reviews. If you're hyping the iPhone, don't let negative reviews from Android users get under your skin. These kinds of politically motivated reviews happen. And if you take a stand with your book, be it fiction or nonfiction, you're going to get negative reviews from people who disagree with what you have to say in your book. These reviews are rarely about the book itself. This is what's interesting, because most people don't read books they know they're going to disagree with. Instead, they will be critiquing your public appearances, your associations, or maybe just what they think you say in your book. And I've noticed this uh, with Jordan Peterson's book, 12 Principles for Life. This was one of the best-selling books of 2019, and many of the critiques of this book are not actually about anything inside the book, but rather their critiques of Jordan Peterson as a person, his affiliations, or things he said in other places outside of the book. Uh, politically motivated reviews actually boost your sales. Let me say that again. Politically motivated negative reviews boost your sales. If your book is about how amazing Ford is, some negative reviews from Chevy fans make the Ford fans love you more. So celebrate if you get this kind of negative review. So what should you do about negative reviews that come from political motivations? Ignore them. There's no value in reading these reviews. These are not your people. And the second thing you should do is celebrate. Negative reviews from the other side means your book is getting traction. Generally speaking, you have to earn these kinds of negative reviews. Your book has to be successful enough for people on the other side of your argument to pay attention. So this is truly something to celebrate. It also will motivate your fans if you mention, hey, I got a negative review from a Chevy lover. Your Ford fans will come to your defense and it makes them more likely to leave you positive reviews. So there's nothing but wins for you with this kind of negative review. So don't let it get to you. The second source of negative reviews is a little bit more serious, and it's what I call an expectations mismatch. So while the political reviews, number one, the first source of reviews, those are from people who are not your people, and you should ignore them, the second kind of review is coming from people you're actually trying to reach. You want to bait the hook with bait that attracts the kind of fish you want to catch. If you don't want to catch catfish, don't use stink bait. 
And the same holds true for how you promote and place your book. These are two of the five P's of marketing. This is referencing uh, one of our very famous episodes, Marketing 101, the five P's of marketing. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. That is episode 61 for those of you uh, who want to go and look it up. And if you promote your book or in a certain way, or if you place your book in a certain shelf of the bookstore, you're creating expectations with the reader. So if your books don't fit with what people are expecting, they're going to be unhappy and they're going to leave you bad reviews. So if your book looks like a dark urban fantasy and turns out to be a Christian literary fiction novel, that mismatch will result in bad reviews. And a mismatch will also turn away the kind of readers that would have left you good reviews, right? The kind of reader who's looking for Christian literary fiction will see that cover that looks like dark urban fantasy and won't buy the book. And so this negative review has nothing to do with your book and everything to do with how it has been packaged, how it has been presented. So there are several areas where you create expectations for your book. The first one is other books in the genre. If other books in your genre all include a kissing scene and your book does not, then you will end up with an expectations mismatch. You'll end up with unhappy readers. So when you're picking your category on Amazon and your subcategory on Amazon, you want to do this strategically and you want to do this having read the other books in your category ahead of time. This is a common mistake I see with beginning authors. They're afraid to read other books in their genre and what this results in is their book doesn't fit quite right in the genre they think they're writing for. They're often in the wrong subcategory on Amazon, and it leads to unnecessary negative reviews. Sometimes just picking a different category on Amazon, setting a slightly different expectation will lead to much better reviews and much happy readers. A second area where you can create an expectations mismatch is the cover, right? We already indicated this, right? But if your cover indicates a cozy romance, and in reality it's a steamy romance, you're going to get some negative reviews. If your cover looks like it's an exciting, thrilling book, and really it's a slow, cozy book, you're going to get bad reviews. Now, when I say a book cover is bad, this is often what I'm talking about. It's not about being pretty or ugly. It's about catching the right kind of fish. The only purpose of a book cover is to attract readers. You're trying to attract readers with your book cover, and you're trying to attract the right kind of readers. A pretty cover that attracts the wrong readers, or more commonly, no readers at all, is worse than an ugly cover that attracts the kind of readers who are going to love your book. Good covers attract the right readers period. That's all they do. It's not a piece of art. It's not something to frame and put on the wall. If you want to catch catfish, don't complain about the smell of the bait. <laughs> Your cover is not meant to be beautiful. It is meant to accomplish a goal. Sometimes beauty helps you accomplish that goal, but don't allow beauty to be the goal. That is not what makes a cover good. And you can see that in the reviews. <laughs> so the next area where you're setting expectations is with your title and your blurb. And this is the one area where you are explicitly setting expectations in black and white, especially if it's nonfiction. You may be saying, this book will help you get out of debt. This book will help you lose weight, right? You're making specific promises in the back of your book and, and potentially in the title as well, right? How to lose weight is the title of your book. You're making a promise. And if you're gonna make a promise on the outside of the book, you had better fulfill that promise by the last page. If you don't fulfill that promise, you're 
going to end up with unhappy readers and negative reviews. And you also make promises in fiction, right? The title of your book and the blurb of your book is making a promise. If, if you're ex promising dragons, right? If you put a dragon on the cover of your book, you'd better have a dragon on the inside of your book. If you have a cool spaceship on the outside of your book and the whole story takes place uh, in a futuristic planet and they never go to space, readers like me are going to be disappointed. <laughs> if you promise a spaceship in the cover, you'd better deliver. Uh, if you have a spaceship in the title, you'd better deliver. Another area where you're setting expectations, you may not even realize it, is with the previous books that you've written. These previous books uh, set your brand. They set your reputation. And readers expect your next book to be like the previous books that you've written. The more you deviate from these expectations, the more negative reviews you're going to get, the more confused your readers are going to be. And these are the most heartbreaking reviews to get because these are often reviews from people who left you five stars in the past, but now they're leaving you fewer than that, maybe even one star because their expectations were violated. If your first books had no adult language and suddenly your fifth book is full of cussing, expect a lot of bad reviews. The first four books of your series all featured space battles, and the fifth book takes place after the war is over and it's nothing but political intrigue. Expect some bad reviews. Unless you do a good job setting the expectation, right? If this were a, a series in, for an author in one of my mastermind groups, I'd say you better have a subheading on the back of that book that says the war is over, now the real war has begun. And you make it really clear that the new battle is not a battle of bullets, but it's a battle of words, right? And then you're fixing it, right? You're saying, even though my first four books featured the space war, now it's time for the courtroom war or the you know, political war. And finally, if the first three books of your series were about how amazing Ford is, going back to our political stand-in, and your fourth book is about how you are now a Chevy driver and you hate Ford, expect some unhappy readers. Now, I'm not saying that you can't make a pivot with your writing and you can't change as you go, but it's really important for you to be very clear about that because otherwise your readers are going to expect your next books to be like your last books. So what do you do about these kinds of expectations mismatch reviews. Well, these are reviews I encourage you to read and actually take to heart. These are your people. They're the people who love you or they want to love you and their feedback is important and they can help you understand if you're positioning your book poorly. Uh, consider ways of getting your book packaging and content into better alignment, right? The inside and the outside of your book need to match. These are, if you're indie published, changes you can make after your book is released. Sometimes all you need is a new cover and the bad reviews will stop coming, right? You just tweak sometimes the text on your Amazon page to be a little bit more clear about what's in the book, right? If, if you have adult content in your book, there's a lot of readers who would love to read adult content, but just be clear about it on your Amazon page so that readers who are expecting your book to be clean like your previous books, so they're not surprised. Uh, this is something if you're in one of my mastermind groups, we would help you with, where we would give you feedback on how you can get these things into better alignment. And if you're not in a mastermind group, we'd love for you to join one of the novel marketing mastermind groups. We currently have room of at least one slot in each one of the groups. So regardless of your fiction or nonfiction, published or unpublished, or even just looking into podcasting, we have a group for you. The third place 
your negative reviews might be coming from is sabotage. Some authors feel the only way up the rankings is to pull the authors above them down. And one way to do this is to hire several dozen or even several hundred people to all leave negative reviews on your competitors. This is a black hat marketing technique called review bombing, and I don't advocate for black hat review tactics on this show. But it is important for you to know what to do if someone is review bombing you, because this does happen and it can be really harmful. Because when you get 100 negative reviews and your average review is only two stars, there's no silver lining there. That is just poisonous to your book sales. People are very hesitant to buy a two-star book. Uh, Some signs that you've been review bombed if your book normally gets two to five reviews a week and suddenly you get 20 negative reviews in a few days, you may be the target of sabotage. And while getting review bombed is painful, it is an instance where you can get the reviews removed. So let's talk briefly about how and when you can get negative reviews taken off of Amazon. Just because a negative review exists for your book does not mean it is written in stone. There are many ways to get a review removed from Amazon. Amazon especially. Goodreads, it's a little bit harder, but you can get reviews removed there as well. So I have three steps for you to get reviews removed from Amazon. Step one is to study the Amazon rules. Amazon has effectively a whole court system where you can take a complaint. So with the Amazon rules in hand, you can make a case that will hold up an Amazon court. When you initiate a complaint, the first human to look at your complaint is often somebody who is working in another country and they're getting paid as little as Amazon can pay them. And you want to make it as easy as possible for this person to remove that comment. So quote the specific rule the review has violated. There are a lot of rules, and I'll have a link in the show notes to Amazon's rules so you can kind of flip through and see which one might be useful to you. But here are some of the most useful reviews. If I were to try to take reviews down, here are the rules I would be using the most often. So I'll quote the rule, and then I'll talk about how you can use this to get a negative review removed. So uh, first one is don't engage in name calling or attack people based on whether you agree with them. You may question the beliefs and expertise of others as long as it is relevant and done in a respectful and non-threatening manner. So if someone calls you a name, you can get their review removed, right? Name calling is explicitly forbidden in Amazon's uh, rules. So if people are being really mean to you, which is common if you're being review bombed, you can get those rules removed. You just quote the name that they've called you and quote this rule when you're making the complaint and you might see that removed very quickly. Uh, The next rule is uh, don't post content that is obscene, pornographic, or lewd, or that contains nudity or sexually explicit images. So a lot of this is screened for ahead of time. There is a human that will look at it. So if it's uh, obviously offensive, often it won't be posted in the first place. But if someone cusses in the review or somehow is obscene in some other way, it's very easy to get that flagged. You just click report abuse and you're off to the races. The next review is don't post content that is libelous, defamatory, harassing, threatening, or inflammatory. These are huge 
loopholes that almost all negative reviews could be considered libelous, defamatory, harassing, threatening, or inflammatory. It doesn't have to be one of them. It can be any of them. So you just make a case. Uh, look up what libelous means in a dictionary and then make a case for why that negative review is libelous. Now, so, for example, don't use obscenities or profanity. Don't express hatred or intolerance for people based off of race, ethnicity, nationality, gender, or gender identity, religion, sexual orientation, age, or disability, including by promoting organizations with such views. So this, uh, th that was going back to the review. So there's a lot of aspects of this particular review that you can appeal to when taking down a negative review. And these are often the meanest reviews if they're attacking you because of your membership in one of these groups. If they're attacking you because of your religion, uh, you can appeal to this and you can get it taken down. If they're attacking you because of your race, you can appeal to this and get it taken down. And um, Amazon's really quick to do this because they don't want any of this kind of hate speech on their platform. Uh, the next uh, review, sorry, the next rule that Amazon has that you can appeal to in getting a negative review removed is users are from forbidden from creating, modifying, or posting content regarding your competitors' products or services. So here's the wonderful concept about competitors. Other authors are, quote, competitors, unquote, for the purpose of this review. So if you see another author who's left you a negative review, you can appeal to this particular rule and get their review taken down regardless of what they said. So they may not be saying anything mean. They may say something even minorly derogatory. You just say, hey, it's a competitor who's leaving a comment. They're not allowed to do that. That's a very strong rule. Uh, users, and then the next final rule that I have here, and again, there's a lot more rules in this. These are just the, the easy ones. Uh, users are forbidden from offering compensation or requesting compensation, including free or discounted products in exchange for creating, modifying, or posting content. Now, there is an exception for this rule, I believe, for free books. Free books, uh, review copies of books, I think is still available. I don't recommend it, though. Uh, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about if you get 30 bad reviews in two days, there's a good chance there's some compensation that's been taking place. Somebody is paying money. Not always. Sometimes the Twitter brute squad will kind of descend upon you, in which case you may have to appeal to one of the other ones. But if you don't see um, a big buzz on social media, right? It's just completely out of a clear blue sky. You get 30 negative reviews from nowhere. There's a very good chance there's some compensation going on. So you would appeal to this rule. Uh, the challenge here is that it's hard to prove. Right, somebody is you know using a racial slur to attack you. It's not hard to prove that, right? You just quote the racial slur. You quote the rule that says you cannot attack somebody based off of their ethnicity, and then boom, you're done. This final one's a little bit harder, but you can still make the case. And the the way that I would make the case is to say, look, this is inorganic activity, right? You don't get 20 negative reviews out of out of nowhere. Uh, there's some inorganic. Um, activity happening and you think that one of your competitors is sponsoring these negative reviews. Now, there's a lot more uh, rules than this, and I encourage you to study them. Like I said, I'll have a link to Amazon's uh, Terms of Service and their specific rules regarding reviews. These do change from time to time. So for those of you listening into the future, you'll definitely want to read these because they do tweak them uh, from time to time. And the rule that matters is the rule that is in place when you make the complaint. So they may change the rules in the future where profanity is okay. And that doesn't retroactively undelete the negative reviews that were taken down because they've, you know, changed the rule. So, you know, take a look at what they are right now. So that's step one is to figure out which rule 
the person is violated. We just went through those rules. Step two is you click report abuse. There's actually a, a little link uh, next to each review where you can click report abuse. And then in your report, cite, quote, copy and paste the specific rule the reviewer is violating. Remember, you're wanting to make this as easy as possible for the person who's reviewing this. They may not speak English as their first language. So you want to be as clear as possible. Don't use big words. Just quote the specific rule and explain why this review has violated that rule. And you'll see those reviews come off of Amazon. And then the third step is to ask your fans to report it as abuse as well. Now, some people, what they do is they ask their fans to downvote, say not helpful, a review. And this is risky. So I'm going to share. Uh, when I first launched Novel Marketing back in 2013, I was really excited and I told all of my email subscribers about it and I asked them to subscribe and to leave reviews. Well, my family were email subscribers of my email list and they were excited that I was starting a podcast and my teenage brother went on and he left a positive review for my podcast, Novel Marketing. And, for, and I was like, oh no, I don't want the first review people to see to be from my brother, <laughs> right? I don't think it was violating any terms of service on Apple's platform for podcasts, but I just, I didn't feel like it was professional to have, you know, a somebody with the same last name as the host giving it five stars. And so I asked a lot of people to downvote it because I wanted the other five-star reviews to be the first ones people saw. And all of that activity, downvoting the review, made Apple think that this review was an interesting review because it was getting so much more attention than all the other reviews. And for years, it was the number one review on <laughs> Apple Podcasts, or what was back then called iTunes, for novel marketing. Now, Apple Podcasts has changed their algorithm. Right now, it seems to be they just show reviews in the order in which they were left for podcasts, which I think is a much better way to do it, so that if, if you left a review... Uh, for novel marketing and Apple Podcasts, it would be the top one, which is, uh, I think, very rewarding for people who leave reviews and more motivating for them to leave reviews. But be careful of the upvote-downvote uh, feature because Amazon doesn't care as much if it's helpful as much as that it's interesting. And if a review has a bunch of upvotes and a bunch of downvotes, that one's going to go at the top because they can tell people are reading it. The better strategy is to instead of asking your fans to downvote the review you don't like, to instead ask them to upvote the other reviews, right? You want the tide to raise on the other reviews so that the review you don't like falls in comparison. All right, so that's about getting reviews removed, but they have to be pretty mean, pretty angry reviews, right? If, if somebody thinks that your protagonist lacks motivation, there's not much you can do to get that review taken down unless that person is a fellow author. But these are not the only places negative reviews come from. Another place negative reviews come from is what I call quality control issues. And this is kind of a broad topic, but it, it's a category that can, could include broken hyperlinks in your ebook, shipping issues from Amazon that you have no control over, and also production issues. So if somebody leaves a review that says, my book was missing the last 50 pages, that is very serious. Uh, sometimes people will leave a negative review about a specific typo or certain kind of typo. Now, with these reviews, you want to take them seriously, especially if you're indie published. These are issues that most likely you are able to fix. They might be on Amazon's end, but if, you know, if it's a typo, you can go in and fix it for all future books. Now, quality control issues are an indication, or can be an indication, someone is counterfeiting 
copies of your book. If you're getting reviews that say this book is blurry, the text on this book is blurry, it could be counterfeiters are effectively photocopying your book, making their own version and selling it and getting the money instead of you. We have a whole episode about this, uh, how to protect yourself from counterfeiting and other Amazon attacks. So you want to keep an eye on your negative reviews. And this can happen even if you're traditionally published. Your traditional publisher won't know there's counterfeiting going on. The only way to know is to keep an eye on these negative reviews. Since Amazon allows anyone to sell used copies of a book, anyone can create an Amazon bookstore and start selling counterfeit copies. It's very easy to do. The technology makes it very profitable to do, and you want to make sure and police that. They're never going to have the quality you have, though, so these quality control issues are very serious to pay attention to. Uh, Fix it. So if you get this kind of uh, quality control type review, This is the only kind of review I give you permission to respond to. (laughs) Normally, a review, you would never want to respond to a review. But in this case, you actually do, right? If it's missing 50 pages of the book, you want to learn more. You might even want them to send you a picture. Let me see what this book looks like and find out what happened. Fix the problem at the source and then make it right to the reader. Uh, these, This is where suddenly they become like a customer and you're customer support and you're trying to make it right. And if you do this, uh, you can turn that one-star review into a five-star review because the other way to remove a review is for the reader to change it themselves, right? You've seen this on Amazon, right? Somebody leaves a five-star review and then after two or three months, the product breaks and they edit the review and they lower it to one star. You can edit the review back the other way. I ordered this book and it was missing last 50 pages. It turned out to be a counterfeit and the author sent me the real copy. And then they change the review and they say, make sure to buy the book sold by and uh, printed by Amazon, right? And it kind of point them to the right book. Uh, you may need to ask Amazon to make it right. So Amazon has a stellar reputation with customers for a reason. And they're very eager to fix these kinds of quality control issues. Uh, Some readers don't know that they can contact Amazon customer support and they leave a negative review instead. So sometimes you might uh, respond to this review and be like, hey, reach out to Amazon and they can refund you or they can send you a new copy that isn't damaged. Uh, Sometimes a book will be damaged in shipping and they'll leave a negative review. If your book is damaged in shipping, very often Amazon will send you a replacement. Uh, These are very solvable problems and it may not even take money out of your pocket. Sometimes, though, you just got to let these ride, right? If your book has got a bunch of five-star reviews and there's one one-star review that said, this book was supposed to come on Tuesday and instead it came on Thursday, that one-star review legitimizes all the five-star reviews. It shows that there's no censorship and people are going to see that and they're going to disregard it. In some ways, that's just as good, if not better, than that politically mo- obviously politically motivated negative review. Okay, the fifth place and perhaps the most insidious place negative reviews come from is a place of jealousy or other internal issues to the reader. If the review has nothing to do with your book, or at least nothing specifically to do with your book, the, the person is unlikely unable to see past their own issues. And I face this with my book on dating and relationships. Some of my negative reviews are nothing but the person who left the reviews sharing their love story. In fact, this is the most common negative feedback I get on the blog. People would give a rebuttal to what I was saying by just sharing their story. And because I wasn't telling their story, obviously my book 
was wrong. Well, my book was about general societal trends. I wasn't trying to describe every single love story. Every love story is its own snowflake. And uh, these people couldn't see past their own experience to see the general trends happening around them. Once you're successful, you're going to get more and more of these kinds of of out-of-nowhere mean reviews. And they're a sign that you're so successful that other people are jealous of your success. These are often some of the most mean-spirited reviews uh, that you can get. Uh, Another form of this uh, that happens a lot in nonfiction is um, this kind of know-it-all chest beating, right? Some guy, it's almost always guys, they want to be the smartest man in the room and they need to feel better about themselves by proving that you were wrong on some small point, right? So pick some nitpicky point of your book that they disagree with or maybe that you were wrong on, but some really minor issue and they want to beat their chest and show that they are smarter than you because they found that you cited the wrong source or whatever. These are the kinds of reviews that often start with the sent- with the phrase, well, actually, <laughs> and uh, here's the thing to keep in mind with these kinds of reviews. Other readers hate these kinds of know-it-all people. (laughs) These know-it-all folks have no self-awareness of how odious they are to others. And their kind of will-actually review rarely will do any harm to your book. So what do you do about these kinds of reviews? Ignore them. So you don't ignore all reviews, but this is the kind you completely disregard. Don't enter their crazy slash insecure heads. That's not a place you want to be. Just let these be like a butterfly that floats away. Curse without cause is like a butterfly that never lights. That's what these kinds of reviews should be in your mind. Finally, I want to reiterate that bad reviews validate good reviews. Believe it or not, some bad reviews actually improve your book sales. This was a big kind of surprise in the 90s. When Amazon first started allowing reviews on products, it was a very controversial decision. A lot of manufacturers didn't want their products on Amazon because they didn't want customers to be able to leave public reviews because there was some concern. And it makes sense in the 90s that one angry customer could turn away everyone else. And what they found, and they did a lot of studies on this in the 90s, was that products with one-star reviews actually outsold products without one-star reviews because those bad reviews validated the good reviews. And as Amazon pointed out, if you're getting negative reviews on your oven because it's catching fire, you don't have a review problem, you have a manufacturing problem, right? If your oven's catching fire, you're deserving the bad reviews that you're getting. You need to fix the oven from catching fire instead of complaining to Amazon for allowing people to review your book because your oven is catching fire. The same with your book. If you're making a promise with your book that you're going to help somebody get out of debt and you don't help them get out of debt, You deserve the bad review because you made a promise and you didn't fulfill on that promise. But you have to be careful with the subtle promises you may not realize you're making with your cover and the things we already talked about. Finally, uh, remember that you are not your book. Just because someone dislikes your book doesn't mean they dislike you. And if they do dislike you, it doesn't mean they're right. The meaner someone is, the more likely they are to be living in their own head and the less you matter to their emotional state. They're just looking for someone anyone to lash out at. And often the best response to this kind of person is pity, right? The head of a mean person is a miserable place to live and they are living there all the time. So just feel bad for them and don't worry too much about their negative review. 
Uh, our sponsor today is the Book Launch Blueprint, and registration ends this week. Don't let this chance to learn how to launch your book pass you by. One of the things you're going to learn in this course is how to put together a launch team, which is critical for launching with a good number of positive reviews. And for those of you listening in the future, if you did miss out, we will do the course again in 2021. Uh, you can find out more by subscribing uh, to the Author Media email newsletter. We send out lots of emails when we launch uh, this course every year. Our featured patron is Mary DeMuth, author of We Too. Based off on research of survivor stories, along with fierce fidelity to scripture, Mary DeMuth unpacks the church's response to sexual violence and provides a healthy framework for the church to become a haven of healing instead of an institution of judgment. And Mary DeMuth, thank you so much for being a patron of the Novel Marketing Podcast. Thank you for helping keep us on the air. And if you would like to become a patron, we'll have a link in the show notes uh, for you to join. You know, patrons get a bonus episode every month that only goes out to other patrons as well as many other discounts and bonuses. And if you can't afford to become a patron but still want to help the show, you can. Just leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or through ratethispodcast.com slash novelmarketing. And remember, review unto podcasters as you would have readers review unto you. And my two older children, the, the older they get, the louder they get. They're discovering their diaphragms and how to project their voices. And I have a new tool to fight toddler noise in the background of my podcast. I connected a special orange IKEA lamp to a smart Wi-Fi outlet plug. And now with a click of my computer or on my phone, I can turn on this ugly orange light. And we call this the quiet light. And we're trying to coach the children to be especially quiet while the light is on. And the light's positioned in such a place where you can see it from anywhere in the house where noise can get into my studio. And the ugly orange light is obvious and can't be missed. And I thought this was a very clever solution to a work-from-home podcasting dad. There's only one problem. We're not entirely sure if Mercy, the 19-month-old, understands the concept contained in the word quiet. <laughs> so, uh, we honestly don't know if loud and quiet are things that are in her world. You know, like, I mean, it's one of those things we take for granted that we understand as adults, but like warm and cold, they're kind of abstract concepts, so they're hard to teach to a child, and quiet and loud is the same way. And my five-month-old, Tommy, we are confident that he has no idea what quiet means, and I will admit, this is a big flaw in the system. A quiet light only works on children who understand what it means to be quiet, but I hold out hope that someday... Someday they will understand what that light means and maybe miraculously they will be a little bit quieter when the light is on. If you have any parenting tips, you want to help me with my particular challenge of getting keeping the kids quiet while I'm recording a podcast, or if you have a question for a future episode, you can call our listener helpline at 512-827-8377. You can also send us a high-quality recording at authormedia.com forward slash contact. You've been listening to Thomas Umstead Jr. on the Novel Marketing Podcast. Thank you for listening, and live long and prosper.